right. I, I added one thing to the gizmo. Oh, did you? Just to, yeah, just it, Andrew bought a thing. Did you buy a thing? I bought a thing. You, Andrew bought a thing. It's literally what the note is. That's what. That's it. Okay, good. Um, Content, baby. Welcome to Pixels and Puppets, the Operation Puppet Podcast, the only podcast to combine the subjects of gaming, tech, media, and puppets for no easily explainable reason. It's, it's February 25th, 2023. You are the internet. I am Kevin Blades. My pronouns are he, him, and this is episode four of Pixels and Puppets, the Operation Puppet Podcast. Joining me are my co-hosts. His pronouns are he, him. It's Jamie, a.k.a. Scumboy. Hello. And his pronouns are he, him. It's Andrew, a.k.a. Bat Phantom. It's me. We're back. You know, it is kind of explainable. I mean, coming back to the intro, I mean, the combination of the of those elements it does make sense because because well i mean i guess the, the path to these elements is is, is a i twisted don't know one. what you to me you're a fever dream right i am now. What a little bit what the hell is this the combination of nerdery no and the puppet oh, yeah you do okay. say that in the i got intro. you i got just you. saying that i wasn't even paying attention to my own <laughs> intro okay yep, yep basically we're nerds and then you fell back in love with puppets and now we have a podcast <laughs> You know what? You're absolutely right. There's there's a complete vector. There is no explanation needed if you know things. That's apparently. right. Exactly. That's, yep. oh. The lore. Dig into the lore, folks. Go to the yep. website. Yep. Episode zero. For That's those it. of you who are joining us new, and there may be some of you, um, if you want to understand why we're doing a podcast that features both puppets and things that aren't puppets, episode zero will we'll guide you. And give you the whole history of this whole thing because we're not going to go through it every week. Oh and, God! No. And a delightful skit. <laughs> yeah, and a delightful skit. Thank you. Shout out, Scarlet. I I realized last episode I was actually I, unintentionally a bit rude because, like, I said, Jamie did the whole. You know, should we do the, uh, the obligatory sh- shout, shout out? out. Yeah. And, I, and I was like, Nah, we're gonna. They haven't earned it. What nonsense was that? Mm. And then I intended to come back mm-hmm. and like do the shout out, but I never did because you know drinking and yeah, talking yeah. and yeah, we, we, we got a we got podcast a, a groove. So I felt bad afterwards. <laughs> so it's like Scarlet is one of our biggest supporters. Yep. I love yep. them. They're they're amazing. Thank you. So you know what? The title of this episode is Shout Out Scarlet. That's oh, right. That Here works. We go. The Scarlet Cast. <laughs> If we were still doing that. <laughs> yeah. um, so, how y'all? It's been two weeks. You know, doing relatively well. Things happened. Yeah. Things didn't happen. Yep. That's uh, that's pretty much how it is. <laughs> things that happened should have happened and things didn't happen. I mean, we'll we'll, uh, we'll talk more about what's happened in, uh, in Gizmo Town. We will. Um, but we do have a bit of uh, news. I saw. I'm excited about this news. All right. Here's... We, Speaking of shouting, shouting out supporters, shout out Reindeer Museum on the Discord because here's here's how the grassroots thing works. Okay, mm-hmm. on the Discord, one of our one of our many uh, uh, regulars mm-hmm. is Reindeer Museum, and they are in a Facebook puppetry group. And somebody in that Facebook puppetry group was asking about where to get puppet supplies. In Belgium. Ooh. <laughs> and Reindeer Museum was like, ooh, here's my shot. 
Oh, by the way, do you know about this podcast? <laughs> so we have now had one download in, in Belgium. In Belgium. We that did got not take Belgium. Long. That did not take it long really at all. <laughs> one sting for Belgium. That's nice. right. Well done. Uh, so I don't know if, if, if Belgium listener, if you're still listening, which, you know, there's a 50-50 chance that maybe you're not. But... If you are, we uh, we appreciate you. We a appreciate you, and if if you're listening and if you feel comfortable sending your shipping address to podcast at operationpuppet.com, I there is a mug for you. There is a there is an Operation Puppet mug with the Operation Puppet logo on one side and the Pixels and Puppets logo on the other, waiting for you. Shout out to Hercule Poirot. <laughs> well, you know, because that's the one thing anybody knows about Belgium. Is Tintin's technically, is I he Belgian? Oh, you know what? I think you're right. I think Tintin he, is Belgian. The character's British, I think. But, I mean, his creation is Belgian. I think... Uh, Hergé. Hergé. Hergé is yeah. Belgian. Yeah, so, sure. shout out Hergé. We, we, got, we got Belgium. That's, <laughs> that's the important thing. <sighs> okay, I think... Is that it? We got... We good? Sure. We got no banter. We got no banter this week. Yeah. It's the no banter. It's, it's, it's we're, the end of February. We're we're getting into it. I yeah. think I think there's there's stuff to talk about in the segments. It's it's true. Although maybe not much in the next one, but we'll see about that. We're gonna take a quick break, and we will be back with the puppet pit. You have entered an alternate dimension, a dimension of fleece and fur, of foam and industrial adhesives. So I hope you have good ventilation. A signpost up ahead. Watch your step. You have just stumbled into the puppet pit. My favorite part is Frankie taking a breath partway through. <laughs> I had to. I, you know. <laughs> you know, you know what, the hard part of that was recording it and like syncing it up. Right. Because I had to like, I had to record one part. I had to record the Frankie part and then record the oracle, oracle part, part over top of it as mm. i was playing it back it was not yeah it was not easy it turns out that kind of thing is hard shout out to all the audio engineers out there yep so here we are in the puppet pit where we talk about the puppet stuff that's been happening in operation puppet for the past i guess two weeks it's actually only been two weeks yeah we no, did it we're we actually on, did a two-week cycle we're on cadence on cadence and i you know here's the bad news not a lot <laughs> I, you know i think three puppets is quite a bit three puppets is not enough for two weeks in in my usual production schedule but i mean there was a week where all your technology was on fire so <laughs> it's been a week this is it and it hasn't even been one real specific big thing it's mm-hmm. been a lot of little things every freaking day well i mean it's fans it's fans everywhere really it's fans you know and pumps pcs forget them they're no they're they're ancient history we're canceling them we are absolutely we yeah. are canceling pcs now we're getting there um because that's among among the many technical problems actually among most of the technical problems that i've had for the past week or two has been about uh, PC builds and it's been a whole thing. Those of you who have turned in for the tuned in for the Frank, Frankie Play streams, I can talk. Really, I'm a podcaster. It, I can absolutely do this. That one aborted stream was <laughs> just a configuration problem. It, it looked worse than it was. It did. Um, 
And it was all about USB saturation because we had to change things. Actually, the podcast is to blame. It was the catalyst. It was the remote <laughs> podcast that did it. Because because we had to switch the mixer over to, to multi-track mm. and that saturated the USB bus, mm-hmm. and et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so I haven't had as much time as I would have liked for building. Well, I have had the time, but because I am so freaking stressed, I haven't slept. Yeah. So I've actually mm-hmm. lost a couple of days to insomnia and because of that my productivity has gone down so there's only been three puppets since the last podcast which i know seems okay good news though they're really high quality puppets so two of them already sold that's <laughs> sleep up puppets yeah exactly um, so there was the uh, the purple furry monster which i think was the one that sold within 15 minutes no it was, was like it? an hour Still. it was like an hour it yeah. was it was that day that day the day that I, person watch you build it um, no, I don't think so. It was a, it was a repeat client. Gee, oh, okay. Um, but who you know that was who, who the, watches that was, my stuff and that was the uh, live hands one, right? Yeah, it was the live hands uh, with that with a really neat purple I'm, yak faux yak fur. I'm looking forward to the blue one. Is the blue one going to be the, the eyebrow blue mech? One, the, the blue one will be next week. So here's what so what was built since the last podcast of this podcast was a blue greebly, um, the live hands. Furry monster, purple monster, yeah, and a purple Pur- greeble, purple greeble with that, that, that rough with, of with, that yak fur. Because I, I still have more, so yeah. I was you know wanted to use it, so that got on the the purple greeble, which just went up for sale. Um, that, on the direct shop, that purple puppet.com. The purple looks nice. Yeah, it does. It really does. So this week, oh, I was I was planning on doing the blue yak fur this week. Yep, it didn't happen. So that's going to be this upcoming week, and I'm, I'm not actually sure what I'm going to do with it yet because I know it's going to be obviously a furry monster, mm-hmm. but I don't know if it's going to have a blink mech, and I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do rod arm because the last monster I did was, was live hands, hands so yeah. I'll, I just mix it up, like change them up. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to do a blink mech because here's the thing with the blink mech thing: um, it there's there's really one existing technique for doing blink mechs like the animal style kind of those kind of eyebrows and because of that they they all kind of look samey and i want to kind of get away from all of my blink mech monsters looking the same right Mm -hmm. so i may not do a blink mech for this i'm not sure we'll see if it gives it more personality it's understandable yeah so i've been doing a lot of like experimenting with different eye styles and Mm -hmm. and, like you know casting things so i may i may mess around with the eyes and i'm also doing a new head shape that i have a i have a mouth plate pattern that i've been playing with and i haven't quite dialed in the head shape for it yet and i might do that with this that's it's a bit grovery. Oh, so we'll see. That's I don't know. new. That's that's this week. I'm not putting a lot of pressure on myself because of last week was such a, a mess. Do I get more stressed? Yeah, exactly. So this week is like you know what? I'm gonna play and I'm gonna like mess around with this blue fur and this rod arm monster. I'm just gonna see what I can come up with. Maybe I'll have a whole new model. Well, that's yeah. the, you know that's the fun of this is you get to experiment. You yeah, can actually have, fun, have some fun with it and try new things and fail. Well, that's. But yes, that's what you, that, you kind of have to fail. If you if you kept stumbling into success, you'd look like some kind of yet. psychopath. The number of puppets that don't show up, the well that that 
haven't shown up on the shop in previous times because I've been iterating on pattern designs. I mean, I've, I've posted the picture before about all the versions of the smalls mm-hmm. that, that existed. There was like seven versions of the small before. The long I, neck small was yeah. interesting. It was great, and it, I wish it would be an actual production thing, but because the neck is so thin. What about a stick mouth? Oh, yeah. No, we could do that as an arm rod. Yeah. Or a, or a, as a rod puppet. Yeah, sure, that would yeah. be really interesting. Like a long neck small. Rod puppets are really tricky to make. I don't doubt it. Like they, there's a lot of little bits in it, but that, yeah. would, that would make it a very it, stunning looking. Any kind of mech is, is very, very complicated. Can like you imagine, even the simplest mech. Is can you imagine one peeking in from off screen and it just keeps going up <laughs> and up and up and up until it the torso like shows up? Pin. That's it, what I like. It, it looks exactly it like a bowling pin with eyes. That's, that's the best part. It was, it was really good, but if it had one of those little like your muffin flat mouth on it yeah um, well that's what it would be that's yeah. that's the you know because i know how to make that mech so it's it's not it it's a lot but it's not so much that it's impossible but it would literally be like a week-long build yeah right? no it would be its own thing but it would be a very striking small and and that's the the challenge of this is like you know being being able to keep my my costs at a reasonable level mm-hmm but still be able to make them in a reasonable amount of time, right? Yeah. So like a rod arm, or not a rod arm, I keep saying rod arm, uh, a, a rod puppet like mm-hmm. that would probably take about a week. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, when you think about... I'm sure is, once you iterate on it a couple times, you'd be able to knock off a day or two. I don't know. That. That's the problem with mechs, though, mm-hmm. because, like, there's no shortcuts. You just say you have to make this, and then you have to make this, and then you have to make this, to this shape, and this shape, and this shape, and you have to put it all together in this exact way, and there's no there's no fudging that. Yeah. Right? Um, so, I don't know. that the, Rod puppets are great, but also time-consuming. Which is why I don't tend to do them. Maybe when you got a lot of stuff in the store. Yeah. Well, that's it, right? That's, yeah. that's the kind of thing I can take, like uh, you know, a little time at the mm-hmm. end of the year, for example, because it's all about financials at this point. It'd be yeah, interesting yeah. for people to see the price difference too, like given how much work it takes to do a rod puppet. The, the oh, fact yeah, that you have yeah. to charge more for that versus the regular, and because ones. it looks like less. Yeah, right? yeah. It that's, looks, that's it the looks, thing. It looks why smaller. is this one so expensive? And it's people, like, like, the other ones are it's a great deal. Yeah, you know, like a, like a, a big puppet, like the bigness of the puppet is not a factor in the cost. It's how long it takes to make the thing, yeah. right? And that's that's the part that people sometimes don't quite get. You want me to just take a marker to a crew sock? Is that what you want from me? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's probably what's coming up this week. Um, last week I had to actually, because of the whole bad week, I had to call off the build stream. But in in all likelihood, the build stream will the be build on. stream will be going this Wednesday. Uh, 11 a.m. Wednesday, whatever date that is from the time you're hearing this. Most Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Eastern time uh, will be the build stream. And uh, other than that, uh, that's pretty much all that's been going on, puppet-wise. Um, I've been posting the blogs every weekday. Mm-hmm. So by all means, go to OperationPuppet.com. You will see the daily coffee blog, which I'm literally writing as the coffee is being brewed. That's why it's called that. And that's why every coffee blog ends with me saying, I need coffee. Because I do. I blogged too, but I will talk about that later. It's it's true. Um, So yeah, I think that'll probably do it for the puppet pit because that's, that's all I got. That's what's been happening with me. So I don't have any exciting news in puppets, do you? <laughs> I don't. You know, I don't have any. This is the part where I talk a lot. So then in the next segments, I can take a bit of a rest and y'all can talk. I will mention that uh, Kermit the Frog was featured in the new Choir, Choir, Choir 
performance? I don't know what that is. What is that? It's Choir, Choir, Choir. I thought it was based out of Toronto. It may be, but they've actually gone international. It's it's where people perform with, in, in most cases, with a celebrity to do a song. All right. And in this case, it was a, a, a crowd singing along with uh, Kermit doing, uh, what's, me, the, what's that song? You know, that song, that one song. Rainbow Of course connection. it's Rainbow Connection. Oh, that's for the people, you know, like please. that's the whole point. It's it's meant Disney, to be for the let people. let Kermit sing something else, yeah. anything else. But in, in there are a couple context, of other songs that Kermit is associated Kermit with, sings, some of which may be very appropriate for these days. Kermit sings Tom Waits. We know you're th- you're thinking about it. It's not easy being green. Absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine? They might have sung a couple of songs, but anyway. It's, so right. so at least Kermit did go. I don't want to say he went viral, but he was definitely in okay. in, in, well, the, in cool. the mix cool. this week. One of the good things about Muppets Tonight is they had a bit where. Kermit was in the David Byrne giant suit singing Once in a <laughs> That's Lifetime. True. That's true. And it was amazing. I mean, you can't go wrong. You know, you put the frog in anything, and it's, it's going to oh. be good. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we will be back with Gizmo Town. The sky above the port was the color of a YouTube video hit with a copyright takedown. Around the rainy streets, people huddled with neon umbrellas and impractical goggles. Here we fight the corporate arcologies and get excited about phones. Welcome to the mean streets of Gizmo Town. I know, we just want to like, be quiet and listen to it. We want to luxuriate. <laughs> did you add the wind noise? I did not. That was part uh, that's of the part of track. the track. That was part of the track. I need that track just to play when I'm going it's, to sleep. Read the show notes. The actual file is linked in the show notes. I, so. that, that is real good. Um, it's just, I, it's got that hint of Vangelis in it. Well, that's mm. what it, I literally searched for. I think I searched for Vangelis and, and, or, and or Blade Runner when I was, because of course. Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Uh, and I got it from freesound.org. It was just, somebody just put that up. Somebody just made that and put Man, it up. Fantastic. Bless People you. got so much talent. Bless you. Who who are we thanking? Let me see. I actually have it in the that show notes. Uh, Kid, Kid Park. Park. Yeah. It's a dope um, name. Yeah, there we go. So thank you, Kid Park, for the Gizmotown music. Amazing. Uh, so in Gizmotown, let me see. We're just going to go down the list. So now I know this is iOS specific. But what I want to talk about is more the cultural impact than the actual specificity of the thing. Um, iOS or Apple has announced that in an upcoming version of iOS, and it may already be in, I haven't checked yet, um, uh, there will be support in iMessage, I think, for rich previews for Mastodon. Wow. So what that means is like... You'll get a you, card yeah, with you, like you a post preview. A link, you yeah. get the embed link where yep. like, you know, the, if there's a picture, you get the picture. A, a blurb, the yeah, title. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and that's that's kind of huge because like, you know, uh, a company like Apple does not put in the effort to make something integrated into their system unless it's clearly... You know, something that people are using. It's so, got some mass. Yeah, there's a, there's this is like a barometer for like how how relevant is Mastodon right now. How many iOS versions have to go by before they take out uh, Twitter rich embeds? I are, are well, I don't know if they'll take them out because that again, that's effort to take something out. Yeah, how many iOS versions that? before Elon Musk removes the ability <laughs> for embeds to happen? That's different. That's yeah. a whole. That's a whole. Other, I, he charges. You know, I've yeah, turned exactly. off the embed server. 30, 30 Twitter coins to embed. Um, 
But that's kind of like a huge deal because like anything that Apple does to iOS is always a kind of good touchstone for what's happening. It's a barometer. It'll trickle down into other OSs and other people will be like, oh, Oh crap! They're they're doing rich embeds for this. We should add rich embeds for this. And so it kind of says like, "Hey, Mastodon's a thing. Like, mm-hmm. we, yeah. it's not just a fly fly by night, you know, temporary band aid. It's it's here to stay. It'll definitely get people's attention. If they, yeah, if yeah, that's part the, of the thing. It's like even. that's kind of huge. So I just wanted to sort of point that out because it's like, oh, hey, that's really cool and strange. Yeah. And well, I know that somebody somebody from Apple who's like pretty high up was having a pretty big fight with Elon at some point early in yeah. the early in the acquisition and was like, nah, we we done. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I suspect they're behind a lot of the push to this. I heard Spoutable got milkshake ducked. I think the guy behind Spoutable kind of went off. It, it was another Twitter it's replacement. It's a Twitter oh. Twitter like, you know, yeah. co host, T2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ma- Mastodon's existed before but this, but the, there's everything all the Johnny come lately, we're yeah. we're new Twitter. But it was it was it had a it had a big start, and now the the guy running it, I guess, um, <laughs> of course, pissed off people based on the terms of he wasn't registering with the DMCA or something. So in in other news, uh, Scott uh, Adams of oh, Dilbert Jesus. fame has has in the longest running milkshake duck that I've ever seen. <laughs> this is a pretty long running milkshake. Decades duck. at this point has finally gone on a such a bad racial tirade mm-hmm. that he has been dropped from every comic strip in America. He was yeah. apparently on a live stream recently and someone asked how many newspapers are still holding them and he said by monday it'll be zero yeah uh, it's my like he income is destroyed it. well yeah he's got all the mega money he's yeah, like right? so there's, you know, there's no coming pivot. back from this i think think scott adams will be fine i, I hope he's, he's a novelist not. now he, I think he wants to be just known as being a novelist more than is the guy who made Dilbert. Novels? Oh, they're he's, terrible novels. He's Jordan Peterson, but a comic strip person. I was ju- I was honestly just reading about this on the way here. How and th- this was not part of the show notes either. Uh, it will be. The novels are basically uh, some guy meets the the person who's the next guru, and um, I can't I can't verbalize it very well, but basically. It's he's trying to to create a new mind think, and he's suggesting that people are having like legitimately saying people are having these insane uh, empathic reactions to his novels. Like half the people who are reading them are telling me about their their minds are being blown by what I'm reading, and and they're they're having it's, it's completely Sue. changing the the perspective of their world. Okay, Scott Adams. You know what? Dilbert was funny twenty years ago or twenty five years ago. Dilbert was holy passable shit. for some strips twenty some odd years ago. It was funny because yeah. who didn't have a stupid boss? Ha ha ha! This is funny. And here's I, what offices are like. Man, you know what those are like, just, right? It's incredible. Like, I, I guess it was just the whole post Trump world. He just decided to go all in on that universe, and now now he is. Now he's he successfully canceled himself, and it was it was crazy too. He's basically suggesting I don't that know how white people. He basically said white people should stop interacting with black people because of because of the fact that there was a there was a study and and uh, more a certain percent like more than fifty percent of black people said that uh, it's okay to be white is not a good thing to say. So he basically took that as oh okay, so that means we should. St- like the only safe thing to do is to never interact with black people, and then boom, everything just imploded. Sure, Scott couldn't Scott. happen to a 
more deserving person. Uh, he's, yeah. It's it's been an incredible journey for this dude. Just incredible watching. Hopefully, him this is the end. Auger into the ground. I know. Well, he'll only be broadcast to his uh, MRA. Well, you know, we, there's, al- there's always Joe Rogan. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. Know. Muskie still thinks he's great, so maybe he'll make him yeah, Twitter's of official uh, comedian. Twitter's official cartoonist. Mm. He'll draw the next bird. Elon will have pointy hair. This is a guy who added a black character for the first time into Dilbert, so he could make jokes about being woke. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, that's enough of that guy. Yeah, enough of that guy. What's next? Um, do I want to keep talking, or maybe Jamie should start talking? I don't know. What does it say? I I I want to stop talking for a while so Jamie can talk. Jamie, yes, you got something. Well, you know, I'm a I'm a sucker for buying things. No, you're not. Yes. You're the I, opposite of that. You take too long to think about things. I, I, I do. I do wait. You spent the last four podcasts trying to convince somebody else to buy you a thing. <laughs> no, to sell me a thing. To sell, sell you a thing. Um, sell my thing. He was, he was dragging his feet. He still doesn't play it, and I, I think I could have gotten a good deal, but no. <laughs> I, I had to pay full pop, and I'm bitter. Uh, I went out and got a Steam Deck, and apparently a bunch of accoutrement for it. Um, Apparently, it just showed up one day. I have no idea how that happened. So I, uh, I, I went back and forth, and I've been reading and wa- I've watched so many videos. So you many you videos. don't even know. It's so many YouTubers, um, <laughs> retro game core, uh, tacky hey Udon. Guys, what's up? Um, no, these most of these guys aren't that kind of no. YouTuber, which is nice. Tacky Udon is really good. Uh, ETA Prime, he's he's pretty good. But uh, Retro Game Core is who I watch a lot for mm. this kind of stuff. He's very informative. Um, and I, I just decided, you know, I, I've, I've got the use case. I don't want to be chained to my computer if I wanted to play a game. It'd be nice to sit on the couch, um, uh, play it while I'm comfortable. And I just decided, you know, get the, let's get the 64 gig version. Uh, I ordered. Oh, so you got the low end. Yes. The, yeah. I, I ordered the, um, 512 Because gigabyte. we should, we should point out the, the, the actual like guts, the hardware is the same. Yeah. The, uh, the APU. The RAM, everything is the same between all of them. The only thing that changes is the 64 gigabyte model is EMMC, which is basically just an M2 um, uh, SD card. Uh, and then the 256 and the 512 are both uh, M- MSATA. So the I got the 64 gig version. I bought a Sabrent um, 512 gigabyte um, 2230 uh, uh, MSATA drive which is the short form factor. It's the size of a stamp. It is tiny. (laughs) It's a goddamn stamp. (laughs) Micro SD is like the size of your uh, pinky fingernail. This is about the size of your thumbnail. It's ridiculous. Um, But it works fantastic. So just a side thing. Um, Now, I I keep forgetting that the 64 gig version, like you said, it's the EMMC. Yes. um, But it still has the M2 M2 dock on it. So put one on it. Yes. So it's the same connector. It's just the actual flash chip is more akin to an SD card than it is to a um, a SSD. Do you take it out of the? Oh, you just replace it. It's a drop-in replacement. It's exactly the same. I thought maybe it was like on the board, but yeah. Five twelve two fifty six and sixty four gig is exactly the same, except for that one uh, drive in it, and it's exactly the same form factor for all of them. So you just take it out, pop in a new one. So you do have to run a. Uh, Steam Deck recovery, which is dead easy if you do it right. 
don't write it to a USB stick, which is what Valve suggests. Yes, that's what I did. Because it takes 45 minutes to an hour, depending (laughs) on how fast that uh, USB stick is. Mm. I found a Reddit thread that said, you know, just write that installer to a SD card, pop it in the SD card slot, and then do the same uh, hold minus on the volume rocker and power to go into the boot selector and then just select the the uh, micro SD card and it does the same now, thing. I wonder if mine wasn't so bad because I my I have a little USB C drive that is USB so 3. So it's probably faster. I use okay. a regular USB A and I think it was USB 2. Oh, okay. Like, yeah, that would definitely uh, I, make I just, a difference. I get them from right. work okay. and they are garbage. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I wrote it to the micro SD card 2 minutes. Mm. 2 minutes to boot and then it was I was reinstalling. Yeah. Um, so A install it to a micro SD card. That just makes it makes your life easier. You don't need a dock. You don't need anything. It if just, only somebody had written down this process. Thankfully, I blogged about all of my uh, my shortcomings you and failures. Probably post a link in the show notes. Uh, I will. I will add that uh, in in just a moment. Actually, um, but so once I had restored it, I had logged into Steam, which is great. You just like if you've got Steam on your phone, you just take a picture of the QR code and it's immediately logged I in. I love that. Now, just just to, just to be clear. Uh, these are the, one of the beautiful things about Steam Deck is that these are options. Yes. You can take this lovely little device you, out of the box, turn it on, and don't you are to good to go. Anything I've done. Bare bones, no issues whatsoever. And, but if you want to be hardcore like Jamie. If you want to tinker. Yes. You want it, to. Will, it fully embraces you and it's, it gives you a big warm hug and says, absolutely, tear me apart. Here's how to do it. <laughs> So the other thing is that once I got it started, I immediately went into desktop mode because I wanted to uh, change my home directory to uh, BTreeFS, which is a journaling file system that also incorporates compression and deduplication, which means uh, everything is slightly smaller and faster to read from it Mm -hmm. because it's slightly compressed and there aren't duplicates. I had never heard of this before you mentioned it. So... It, it it it's not going to be a screaming fast upgrade, but it is a a access time upgrade, which is you know you want to have that happen, and that also means once you've installed this script, which I, I put in the blog post, uh, it will format your SD card to be TreeFS, which is very easy to add to Windows, so you can actually pop it into Windows and then read the SD card like it was oh, XFAT. That's, that's big. Whereas XT4 yeah. is always a problem in Windows. You can yeah. go for like. There's a couple different you paid can, versions. Sometimes you can read it. Sometimes but, you, you know. can use Windows um, uh, Linux subsystem. Let's talk about ZFS and that cult. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you can you can use the Windows for Linux subsystem. That will sometimes let you read ext4 reliably, but it's always a pain in the butt. But B, uh, BTreeFS, you can actually just install an open source like a GitHub uh, thing that adds the ability to read it into Explorer, and it'll show up. Um, and it also means the SD card is, uh, is deduplicated and slightly compressed. So it's, uh, things are a little smaller and faster to read. Mm. So, uh, it was gains all around and, uh, do that first. Cause then you don't have to worry about running trim first because otherwise it takes a while to do, uh, the application of it, mm. but it's one reboot and then it's done. Um, then I went and installed, um, the cryo, um, script that, uh, it does a bunch of, um, cache and, 
uh, what is it called? Swap uh, modifications. The, all of the things that he does in this in this utility feel like things that they're eventually going to just have in the in the BIOS someone, or in the settings. Someone in Valve should be applying these yeah. as settings. Yeah. But so the the problem is the one gigabyte swap that it comes with makes sense because they've got a movable target for storage. Right. Sure. Sixty four mm. gig users don't want like a quarter of their drive used up with swap. Right. Whereas 512 gig users can afford 16 gigs of swap. Um, so the, the nice thing about the script is it looks at how much storage you have and then only recommends something that wouldn't like it would recommend eight. Maybe if you had a 64 or you can even do four and you would still get a benefit. But, um, I just went full to the hilt 16 gig swap. Um, I, one of the things they ask, uh, they, they recommend you change is in the BIOS, tell um, the BIOS that you want to give four gigabytes of reserved VRAM instead of one. Because the way the Steam Deck works is that if the CPU wants more RAM, say, like, say four gigabytes is used up by the video uh, memory and the, the CPU wants more, it will evict the, mm-hmm. uh, the video memory right there. And then if it only needs it for like a millisecond and then it can go back. The video uh, uh, video process has to reclaim it, rewrite it, and the CPU again can come and bump it. So they recommend bringing it to four gigabytes. That's a little bit friendlier for things like Yuzu, which is the Switch emulator, and higher end video games. Uh, they want a little more VRAM, yeah. and they react badly. You'll get frame drops when uh, the CPU evicts them from RAM. It's still miraculous that people are playing new AAA titles on on the Steam Deck. Yeah. It's like it's God just of War. Incredible. Like people can get a solid forty frames a second in the new God of War. Super playable. Um, so I did that. I installed um, EmuDeck, which is a whole suite for the entirety. Um, the 16-bit, 8-bit, 16-bit, 32-bit, 64-bit, and modern uh, thing. I think it does, on the high end, it'll do PS2, Xbox, Xbox 360, and Switch. So what's great about oh, this... Oh, PS3 as well. When the internet is banned... Yes. Which is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah. As, as long as you've got your Steam Deck up and running... You're you're sol- you're solid yeah. for the for the rest of your life. We're eating rats, but we're also playing Mario. As long Kart. as you've got power and can get power onto that thing, you're golden. So that's the only caveat is you do have to have a, an existing power source with right. which to charge your Steam Deck. I've get the solar panels. Yeah, I've exactly. tested a couple of completely legitimate ripped games that I own for the Switch, yeah. and <laughs> it's. It's surprising. I can run Mario Odyssey at sixty frames a second, which the Switch can't am, even do. I am absolutely gobsmacked that it can emulate switch yeah that also terrifies me because this has to have nintendo going what's happening over here guys so we were talking about this this earlier the bar for entry is higher than uh you know charlie pokemon addict is willing to do Mm -hmm. anything that you have to do like any normal person is not going to jump through the hoops that you need to jump through to get that running on a steam enthusiasts Yes. Yeah. But we're talking about hundreds of people, not mm, millions yeah, of people. Yeah, I know, I get you. But you but you hear me. You yeah, know no, you're no. saying. Oh, yeah, no. 100%. N- Nintendo going to Nintendo. They're aware. <laughs> they're very aware of the situation and they're very but concern and as long as everybody plays nicey nice is there we reason be nobody okay. talks about hackintoshes anymore? i was yeah, yeah. i was showing you know. switch diablo to kevin earlier oh, yeah? and it runs 60 frames a second locked it's wow impressive mm-hmm. um, I mean, yep and and 
and some dickhead will try to turn it into a, a something to sell, and and that'll and that's when it the gets. The thing ugly. I love about this the Steam Deck is that if you are a tweaker or if you're somebody who likes to dig into it even a little bit, it is a dream device. Oh God, it's it's incredible. It's it's a it is a miracle in so many ways that Valve just opened it up. Like even just getting Psychonauts, I, I wanted to play Psychonauts, which is a game that came out in 2005. And they did a PC version in 2010, I think, when they bought back the Sounds rights right. from THQ. Right. Um, I wanted to play it on the Steam Deck because it's a, it's a game that's right in that you know you don't have to be running the uh, the APU at full bore to play it. Um, and it's uh, Proton DB, which is a really good third party site, says it's gold. It, it will run really well with some tweaks. So what you, what I ended up finding was somebody who gave me a list of switch bindings to make. Then you go into the game and then you rebind the controls in the game and it plays like a dream. Like wow. it plays like it was designed for this. But this again, system. you do have to put the work in. So I, but, yeah. I, but that it, it was, it was like, it, I'm a tweaker. I'm a, I'm a configurer and it was. At the low end of, of, you know, my, oh, okay, you know, this is fairly trivial. Yep. Um, if I had to dig into config files, I'd be doing it, but that's, you know, you know, more moderate level. It was, it was very, the, the Steam Deck interface is fantastic. Yep. They have put polish everywhere. The remapping stuff is straightforward. And you can set up turbo, like you can set up multiple button pressures by holding the button in, in like, Two, two menus. It's fantastic. Because mm-hmm. um, in Psychonauts, there's one thing where you have to pound Y in order to dig up something in the game. And I'm like, no, I don't feel like doing this. <laughs> I, I go into my control configuration. I hit the uh, the gear beside also, Y. Also, let's talk about accessibility, Tim. Mm-hmm. And Well, I mean, this was in uh, 2005. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, you know, pound on the quick time. I'm surprised there aren't quick time events is yeah. what I, where I'm at. But um, I was able to set up a 10 millisecond button press if I held down Y mm. and it just it, it immediately fills up the little bar and I dig up the thing. And mm. it's uh, it, it was just this great little thing. They've already put it in the UI like you can you can set it up. So you just hold down a button and it's automatically turboing. It's fantastic. It's ease of use. It's it's accessibility, um, the ability to use the trackpads as a mouse because so, some games like Civilization. I can play Civilization Five, and you can use the controllers for a lot of things, but you want to use a mouse to sure. select stuff mm-hmm. or to point at stuff. You just whip your thumb across that little touchpad. Works brilliantly. The only flaw, and it's not even really, it's not a surprise, is battery life. Mm. But it's still better than most of its competitors. And you, it's it's there's a a limit. Like how heavy do you want it to be? How yeah. thick yeah. can it go? You can throw huge batteries in it, but then it's cumbersome. Yeah, yeah. a lot of people slap on an external or, uh, or power supply. Yeah, they just recommend getting a, uh, a twenty thousand uh, or thirty thousand milliamp yeah. hour. Um, but that's going to add sixty-five a, watt a, battery. A fair chunk of weight. Well, I mean, you, you throw it in a backpack, you throw it in your pocket, or something yeah, like that. It's, it's not directly it's cable, tied yeah, to the thing. Exactly. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about that, but my primary use case is on the couch where I've got an outlet that's mm-hmm. at least as close as the default Steam Deck connector. And I've got a, in my bag here, a 65 watt um, gallium nitride charger 
that mm-hmm. I can put whatever length of USB-C cable I want on it and plug it into that. And then it's basically I can sit across the room now if I want to. Mm. Um, so, I mean, it's great for in your house where you have internet and you can just sit and play stuff. Yeah. It's also really good at like an airport or, you know, you've, you've scored a seat where there's one of those outlets in the floor. Mm. Just plug it in. You can play for hours. I was blessed in that I didn't need it, but I was glad I had it for my trip because I was prepared for a six-hour delay <laughs> since I had it with me. And yeah. I, it's, it's kind of a good thing that I didn't need it because I got to get home at a reasonable time mm-hmm. as opposed to the alternative but i did have something to distract myself if i did get to so the, the operation kill switch dock that d brand is yeah. making they are almost finished with their pre-orders so it'll be up for regular order soon and i'm getting one of those oh okay good. as soon as it's available because it's got a really nice cover that integrates with it that protects it when you throw it in a bag because this this case is nice but it is chunky. Yeah. Yep. So something that's just basically the thickness of a Steam Deck means I can put it in a lot more bags. Sure. And it's a lot easier to transport. And you, and you did show off the fun little keyboard. Oh, yeah, my little folding keyboard. <laughs> now, does this have a, a dongle or does this no, just it's, connect it's to the Bluetooth? Bluetooth. So it's, it's straight it's up Bluetooth. This, it's this tiny, like, cell phone sized keyboard. There are three lights that on folds it. folds out. So it can pair with three different devices. That's oh, so good. Damn. That and it's so got a good. nice little trackpad with physical mouse buttons or you can tap uh, on it. As I, um, as I told Jamie, I want to punch them in the dick for their name. iClever? Yeah. No. But it is. It really is. But this is the it's most a, recommended yeah. um, keyboard on the subreddit for the thing because it's got nice little mechanical yeah. keys. Try folding wireless keyboard with touchpad. That's and, the other kicker. And it's USB-C. I thought for yeah. sure it was going to be a USB micro or something stupid, but it's got yeah. a nice USB-C connector. It's, it's about the size of a large phone. Apparently, it's got about 14 weeks of battery like through <laughs> well, normal use. Yikes. Yeah, no, that's, that's a um, nice piece of and it, and it's, How much was it? Uh, 65 and there was a $5 uh, coupon on Amazon. That's pretty good. For what it is, that's a good price. I'm, I mean, I'm tempted to pick I'm, up something like that. I I'm just, really using yeah. it because I go into desktop mode a fair bit. I have a number of uses for that. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I could use it with my, my iPad yeah, here. Yeah. I could use it with my Android phone and Android supports using iPads and Android supports uh, input devices. try folding keyboard. Um, mm-hmm. It also comes with a uh, little stand for phones and tablets. So it's, it's value all around. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, but I also great. got a tempered glass screen, screen protector from Sipgen. Uh, they the Speedgen. They they do a lot of phone cases and stuff like that. And it's the neatest thing. It's it comes in a Steam Deck front shaped plastic piece. It's got cutouts for the uh, the two analog sticks. It's self centering over the screen, and it's got a little. It's got a sticker that holds the screen protector on the on the the caddy, and there's a little oblong in the middle of it that you run your finger along to apply the middle of it to the screen deck. So what you do is you peel off the protector on the underside. You you position it right over the screen, run your finger across that uh, divot that lets you push the protector down to the uh, screen, wait 30 seconds, and you peel the sticker off and the thing's just in place. That sounds like magic. It was the easiest alignment I have done for any screen protector. It was 
ridiculous. Seventeen bucks, and it was worth every right, penny. I gotta for, grab that. Very cool. I, I mean, I, this has come up before where it would be nice to be able to throw an OLED screen in there, but that would murder the battery. Well, I mean, it would kill yeah. the battery. And I mean, th- with how everything is replaceable, you can buy the 512 etched glass screen from iFixit uh, yeah. and put it in there if you want to. But it is the most teardown. You have to take yeah. everything out of the yeah. Speed Deck You're taking the to get at it. Part of that so if at any point they do come out with an OLED that mm-hmm. you could drop into it, you could take yeah. your Steam Deck apart, put one in, and then put if it back were, together. If you were over. willing to sacrifice the bat- the wireless edition, if almost in- completely, it would yeah. be it would be Plugged really in. nice to do. But yeah. we'll see. Um, I mean, the version two maybe, but the thing is, it, it they want the battery. Yeah, and I mean, it. if you run Vibrant Deck in Decky, oh, that's another thing I installed is Decky. It's a plugin system that lives in the sidebar, um, the three dot oh, sidebar. Yeah. Um, vibrant deck, you can actually increase the saturation on the screen. And it, it, it most people between 135 and 140 will bring it right up to a really nice saturated look. It's good to know. Um, you should, we, we should get together and just go through some things to install and, <laughs> yes, and, and, no, and tweak. That's definitely going to happen. Yeah, I think I, I think I'm in for Generation Two. Like, like I said before, hopefully I, it's just because we just bought them. Hopefully, Generation Two is going to be at yeah. least a year, but we'll, well see. Like, I have enough hardware around here that like I've, the use case for me is not this gen. Yeah, but definitely next gen because I am, as we have discussed, so done. How how much sure upgrades. this is for the for their first handheld? They've yeah. done a lot of work on the Steam machines and on the Steam controller, yeah. figuring out how to make all this stuff work, how to make yeah. Linux work, how to make touchpads work. Those had to fail for this to be the and, and then this came out, and it's just, it's everything at this once. This is all the lessons they learned. It is, the 100%. Lesson, yeah. By all rights, like the screen and the battery are weak, but everything else is so damn strong, yeah. and it is so well-priced. 499 Canadian dollars mm-hmm. for to get you into this. Whereas if you got an Ambernic or a um, another one of these Windows where they use an AMD laptop chipset, they start at nine hundred US dollars yep. and go up to eleven hundred, twelve hundred. Like it's and you're getting really, the same battery life if that you're getting about yeah. the same battery if you're getting maybe twenty percent more power because it's a, a full laptop chipset instead of the uh, the the mobile APU they're using, but it is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it, they run Windows, so, it, you know, all the Steam games should work. Yeah. Sure. But this is just such a good value. So uh, we're a pro Steam deck. <sighs> yep. It's, it's, it, I, I see it written and people are like this, it's, it's changed gaming. Like it's. It really has. There, there is a sea change here with, with the Steam deck. And I think it comes back to what you were saying before about how now we have a hard target. Yeah. Right. And we never had that before. And so that's going to be the thing that changes PC gaming is what we were talking about earlier in that the, the, the hardware cycle of, of how PC gaming has worked up until now has got so stupid. Throw more so, watts. Yeah, so more out watts, of, more watts. Out of reality for what most people can can hit. Suddenly, the Steam Deck, like this, is its moment to shine. Because I th- I thought that something like the the Razer Kishi, uh, which is just the the nice controller you can strap onto your yeah. phone, I thought that was going to be a big thing, and I did buy one, but. 
it's the software though, because because mm-hmm. that's yeah. for mobile games, yep. and the mobile games just don't want to support controllers by default. You, so that you've alone got to is use a kick this in the nuts. because you need the, the you screen, you drop yeah. stuff on the screen and say this is what the the left stick controls because yeah. yeah. like the touch control points on these games. Yeah. It's a huge thing, and some some of these controllers they they, they don't they resize the thing so it's too small so you don't get full extension. Yeah. It's an it's nice it's a nice idea and if this if the developers used it it would be fine but they don't mm-hmm. and also and the games are just not con, not interested in being as good as something like a Steam Deck Valve's mobile controller gaming is remapping totally UI is yeah. so good and you can you can do mouse keyboard controller you can set like custom um, entries it's amazing yeah. I mean mobile gaming just as a side note uh, Angry Birds the the Ro- Rovio <sighs> the developer of yes. Angry Birds pulled angry birds they from the store because they weren't making dlc money from it yeah they're making, yep. like if you like angry birds please play the newer versions where we have all the dlc bullshit where the loot boxes are yeah like because because we're tired of you people just enjoying the game we created and made a billion dollars off of fuck i don't know it's amazing it's not like the steam deck isn't like the switch should be a steam deck yeah mm. but there's something well, about the, this. It's because it appeals to the tinkerer, right? Like the yeah. Switch is exactly what it should be in that pick up and play it. It's a mobile and you device. You don't have to think about it, yeah. right? This is for people who want to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's not most people. Mm-hmm. Most people aren't like us. Mm-hmm. That's what we have to realize. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is definitely the thing for us. Yeah. And and I appreciate that. Yeah. But it's 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 even if you don't want to put in a whole lot of effort it is really good that's why it's for us because yeah. i don't um <laughs> speaking of effort are we gonna ready to segue are we good we, we're good steam deck good um so as we had talked about probably two episodes ago about what am i doing about my linux situation mm. <sighs> so my current linux situation is i have one other than the nas which is its own thing because it's running on v um the uh, I have a dedicated Linux box, and it's currently running, well, a, a desktop environment, and it is running my uh, development web server environment, and uh, my virtual tabletop foundry environment, and um, I'm forgetting something. What am I forgetting? I can't remember. Your dev pre-environment. Oh, my, my your, Plex server. Your, oh, your Plex. BBS. Plex server. Yeah. Yeah, my BBS. Yeah, good. Call it. Here's the phone number. Um but uh, I, I, I've a fallen out of love with Linux or with not with Linux with the Ubuntu for various reasons, um, and also I wanted a lighter, smaller as we talked about before, a lighter, smaller, lower power server because all it needs to be is a server. I don't need a desktop environment. I just need a server. Um, so I had that as we as we had sort of brainstormed on I think it was episode two um, that I had this old Mac Mini kicking around. So I did eventually pull that thing out. I had to go through a bunch of hoops to like disable the secure boot stuff and all that stuff. But I did, I now have Debian naked Debian running on my old Mac mini. You're going to get us demonetized. It's true. Well, you know, I'll do my best. Um, but it's, it's a headless server. Like it's so bare bones. I had to apt install sudo. Yep. yep. <laughs> like it was so like, I, I, I just by instinct typed in sudo something, something. And I was like, I didn't recognize the command. I'm like, what? Yep. I just assumed that was part of core nope. Linux. You, nope. Turns you, out you not. You got to bring that in on Debian. Yep. Yeah, they'll, they'll include an SSH server, but that's, uh, yep. and, and, and some windowing, but 
Uh, so that's now running. So here's the situation I'm currently looking at. A, I want to get rid of Ubuntu on the Franken Linux box that we mm-hmm. built. I don't even know if I'm going to keep that machine around. I don't know. It depends on how, how the Debian box goes. Yeah. But I'm a little scared because I'm now kind of learning about how you properly admin mm-hmm. a Linux server of any sort. Because eventually what's going to happen is the Neverwinter server is going to move to the Linux server. And that's what it's going to, among other things, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I need to do, apparently, I never even, like, I did kind of understand this, but I never realized it on, on, with this urgency is like, you need to do SSH, um, public and private key pairs. Everyone says that. I never do that. <laughs> but I'm, you know, all of the, all of the YouTubers I'm watching are like, this is what you, you really need to do this. Uh, and, and I kind of feel like I do because, Although there's nothing public facing right now. Like this is not like you can't access this from the internet right now. When the Neverwinter server goes live, there will at least be one port that is open to But the you internet. won't be able to SSH through it. You won't be able to SSH through it. No, so, it'll just be a specific. So I don't know. But I'm kind of nervous about that because I never do really? public key I stuff. I kind of want to though. It's it's great until you lose that key and then yeah. you gotta figure out how you're getting into that machine. That's what, so here's my question, and I don't know if anybody even knows the answer to this that's around this table, but it's like, so let's say, because I work on multiple machines, and I'm mm-hmm. jumping around from different machines every day, I'm working on at least three different machines. So if I want to, if I, if I turn on SSH, um, keep pair uh, login only, and I disable password, mm-hmm. that's only for SSH, right? Yes. I can like plug in a keyboard and a oh, yeah. monitor no, and you can, can you can you can physically in. log in that way okay. pam is still uh that's that's kind of all i want to know other than that i'm i'm happy to fuck as around. long as you know where those keys are and you can install them on any new computers to yeah. let them access it it's fine this is I all just, new territory to me this is all brand new uh, stuff i don't bother like most of my stuff is so inside my own network yeah. like i have to vpn in to, to, to do anything so maybe that's the better path for me that's how i i I approach it so but i mean if you if you want to go that route by all means it's it's, it's totally viable it's one of those things that like because i'm just learning about all this stuff i want to do it the right way right and don't disable uh, password login for a little while like run run them run them side by side and that way you've got the the back door if you need it and then if you if you find it's it's you know no problem then by all means maybe that's the way forward because what i'm eventually i'm going to either retire or repurpose the Mm -hmm. Franken Linux box in favor of like I'm moving every every server thing over to the, the Debian box, but maybe that's the way forward is to just not just nuke the give Ubuntu it like box, six months. You know? Well, even on the new one, if you're gonna do the um, um, the SSH uh, only key pairing, yeah, the key yeah. pairing thing, leave password enabled. And just do the thing so that yeah. way if you've got a backdoor into that thing, if you need to, and then if after six months you're like, yeah, there's been no problems, just disable, to turn that off. Yeah. Write the po- the password down, hide it in your toaster, <laughs> yeah. throw your toaster away, and then spend uh, several million dollars digging up uh, your local uh, dump to find your toaster this after is, the fact. This is the part that's like, I, I because I don't know enough about InfoSec, 
right? It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. So let's say like nothing, there's no port open to the internet except for this very specific port that is not port 80 or, or 22 or any of the, the common ports. As long as there isn't some sort of weird vulnerability in the Neverwinter Nights servers that gives someone shell access, but even if Which that happens... Is. How can that even happen? Even yeah, if like, that did happen, even if there was a memory overflow that could get in, that bypasses login anyway and accesses the file system. So... Yeah. I mean, if you have... And, and so let's say somebody, I don't know, a Russian bot does manage to accomplish that for whatever reason. What can they do? Well, they can get your, your all your sweet uh, Neverwinter Nights assets. <laughs> that's, yep. that's it. It's, okay, it's all, my, it's all my network. This is Brunholm. This is different. <laughs> Why you say this is your, your, your work? <laughs> so I don't know what even if somebody were to gain nefarious it's, access, what they could do. So I, I, I don't like there. There are things that I will this is lock not down. An enterprise thing, and Infosec right? like people like, will explain to you the worst case scenario, and it will be terrifying. And it will be nearly impossible to happen, but they will convince you that it is a, yeah. that it is going to happen if you don't do all of these insane. I mean, things. if you do plug that hole, it can't happen. But yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, so the other the other side of it is because I'm not trying to set up this server as like doing it properly. Um, I have come to terms with the fact that I'm going to have to get friendly with Docker. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I just because everything is Docker now. Every fucking thing is Docker, and I understand why, and I know what Docker is. And okay, fine. But um, I would like a nice way of managing Docker. Portainer, yay. Okay, so I use Portainer. And you can you can get a uh, Portainer business license for small sites. So I've got I'm, on my NAS. I'm running the enterprise version of Portainer, which gives you some extra stuff. Okay, just because for anybody under five nodes, right. and I have one, you you can get a free license. Okay, this is my question because um, you know I, I've fallen into the the, the FOSS hole and. Um, when I when I got so I have Portainer running on the on the the Debian machine, and the first time I loaded it up, there's this big ugly fucking banner that's right at the very top. It's like here, buy the Enterprise Edition or whatever it is. You can get a free ver- free upgrade to it. People are pissed at Portainer, and I understand why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just feels kind of gross, right? The problem like, is any any product like that that's worth using is going to be funded somehow yeah they so need, I, they've got a community edition and the community edition has a banner on it to upgrade to the the, the you know full enterprise edition yeah. they need the money to keep developing it right. um yeah, so no, I, I get that I, i've got at least I it's spent, not for pepsi i say i spent enough money on dlc that i'm like you know what i get it i you support the development but for small and, small know. installs you can get a free version of the enterprise uh, license and the question is now, like, do I even care that much? Like, it, it, I can use it. Yeah, it, it, it's just a banner. Like, I, how many times am I going to look at the Portainer page? So right? my like, use case is, I will spin up a container via Docker Run in the command line. Yeah. Like, I've got the whole long command. Then once it's up and running, and I'm happy with it, when there's an update, because usually what I run, it'll say there's a new version. Update the uh, the Portainer, or sorry, the uh, the Docker instance. I go into Portainer, I go to that instance, like the, the whatever program that is, and there's a recreate button in Portainer. Right. And you click on recreate, and then there's a little toggle that says pull uh, latest image. So I toggle that. What it does is it kills that container, 
pulls down the newest image, and then recreates it with all the settings that I had previously. So I think you've just hit on my previous problem with trying to work with this whole mm-hmm. Docker importainer thing. I had it installed on my NAS yep. for a while, um, which I'm running Open Media Vault, and uh, there is a plugin for it, and you can install Docker importainer and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And I don't think I ever, I, maybe it's a couple of versions behind or something, but I never had that button. So every time, like I was running a Plex server off of it, and every time there was an update for Plex, I had to destroy the container yes. and recreate it. Yeah, that's how it. Docker works. Is, it, 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 is You've got the con- config file outside of yeah. the uh, the Docker container, and then you've got all your mappings in the Docker run or the Docker compose uh, YAML file. Yeah. Uh, and then when you recreate it, it just pulls down the new image uh, like the new base and then reapplies those mappings and that config. I know that's how it's supposed to work, but I think what I, if I remember correctly, it was a while ago, but uh, what was happening was I literally had to just recreate everything, mm-hmm. including all the configs. Right. So it, it shouldn't be like that. And the recreate button is nice because it, it takes how it's running and just reapplies that and the config. Yeah. But it, it pulls down the latest image. Because there's like, you know, um, there you don't have to run through Docker, I found out. But there is like a Docker image for the Neverwinter server, for example. Mm-hmm. and But also that relies on external files, like yep. the module file yep. that you're running, for example. So that's the kind of thing that I would just want to, again, have a single-click solution mm-hmm. that like, okay, there's not going to be an update, I guarantee you. So- but... Portainer is a good tool for maintaining it. Also good for pruning dead images. You can yeah. go into your image storage and they're all the ones that you're not using will say not connected and yeah. you can click on those and then remove them because that's gigabytes of space in a lot of cases. Okay. I'm going to pick your brain later because, okay, you sold me on Portainer. It's, Port- it's Portainer. I, yay. I, I don't use it to spin <laughs> stuff up because I don't like the interface and I'm very used to the command line for spinning up dockers. Sure. But I really like it for um, uh, recreating a, a, a I like, container. I like that approach where it's like okay i'm gonna do command line for this Mm -hmm. and then to manage it i'll do and then you can usually like i'll log into radar and it'll say there's a new update i'll just go into portainer click on radar click on recreate tell it to pull the newest image and then i wait 10 minutes not even usually all right and then it's back up and running and i just go refresh radar and now it's um uh, now it's running the latest version. I'm so. calling it yay. We're going to go yay on Portainer. I may be picking your brain because yep. I, I literally just installed it. I haven't touched it. So 100%. I, I can send you screenshots of, of how mine looks. There's a bunch looks. of config you have to do and permissions and yep. all that stuff. So Mine was, if I recall correctly, I had to create a user and then it, everything else, it just picked it up. I'm not even sure I've up. done that. I don't even know what I've done, um, to be, to be so. Okay. Andrew, let's let's push mine to pixels and tokens. It, fit, sure? it fits. It fits in pixels and tokens right. just as well. I could use a break anyway because yes. I, I need a drink. So we're going to take a quick break and we will be back with pixels and tokens. Video games, board games, video games, tabletop role playing games, video games. And now for Pixels and Tokens, where we talk about all kinds of gaming. But mostly video games. Oons, oons, oons. We're oonsing. We're oonsing in the Pixels and Tokens. It's like Andrew. It's like we're in an arcade. Did you buy a thing? I bought a thing. Andrew bought a thing. Can you guess what I bought? It came out this week. I don't know because my week has been terrible. Yeah, so I don't oh, know. did you get a Neuralink? I did not get a Neuralink. <laughs> did you get a fried monkey? I got the PSVR 2. Oh. Yeah. 
I forgot that was a thing. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, yeah. but because I'm in a uh, spending freeze. Yeah, yeah. No, it's <laughs> it was too fucking expensive. But I, I just said, you know what? Actually, I, I had pre-ordered it in November when they announced it, just because I figured, sure, oh, yeah. let's see what happens. And what's really sad is they did the state of play this week, where they showed all the new stuff coming, and I watched it and went. Uh, <laughs> none of this really sets my ass on fire, but fuck it. Who cares? I'm going to have it anyway. So I was yeah. just about to ask, what's the killer app for it? What's the killer it, game? It, it is not a pack-in, but because uh, you, you can buy it as a bundle with uh, Horizon Call of the Mountain. Say, uh, that Horizon game. That is real that good. is their killer app as far as... It's, and it even it's... it's it's Okay. Uh, I only f- unpacked it today. It came out on. I got it on Wednesday, and I didn't even get it home until yesterday. So I, I said I got to play this thing before I go to the friggin' podcast. So I, I fired it up, <laughs> and um, it is it is such a beautiful iteration. Like the, it is truly the next level of what they promised with PSVR. Yeah, PSVR was very cool. Did you? Oh, it was huge. Like yeah. I, I can't I can't say enough good things about PSVR. Did you put your it head was, in it? Oh yeah. Okay. I think I put you in the, yep. the yeah. Star Wars thing, right? Yep. A couple things. There was a mech water. thing. Oh, there was that was so it's, good. And so the the new the new tech, and there's all kinds of places on on YouTube you can watch people use it and espouse about it. But I will say, uh, it I was almost hoping for another level beyond what I what I got when I put the headset on and sure. finally fired up a game. This now, is my entire experience with VR. Right. It's good. I wanted it to be better. It I would I would almost I would definitely having only played it briefly, I would still This is the legacy the, of VR going back to yeah. the nineties. Yeah. It's it's good, but I want it to be better. We're at the great level. I mean the color representation and the new display. Are they using O L E D in this thing? Yes. Okay. It looks great. The the screen door effect is almost gone there's it's still just the hint and sure. once you're into it you won't notice it as much i i mean my current vr headset is a uh, oculus rift s yeah so i i know from screen door it's be- yeah. it's a little bit better than the psvr one but not that much yeah. better so. so i mean uh, with the hardware itself uh just heads and shoulders and you had it had to be better than the original and so the fact that it's a single cable is so nice. Yeah. Just a one USB C cable going to the PS5 you, and that's it. Me. And it's fine. <laughs> Some people are like, it should be wireless. It's it needs no. to be connected to no, the no, damn no, thing. No. no. Wireless yeah. bad. Yes. Wireless is actually bad for VR at this stage of yes. the tech. We're getting there. I mean like yeah. the the Oculus is 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 an impressive piece of kit. But I think the is it was it the Valve though, Index yeah. or was it the HTC Vive that they actually had there a is, belt there is pack? A, yeah. yeah, there is a yeah. wireless pack, yeah. but that's a whole different yeah. thing. It was like, I think it was just very expensive. I think it, it was, I don't it was, know if it was it added a definite a lot of add-on, on. but it, uh, the people who liked it really liked it yeah. because it gave you because it was Freedom. the 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 Vive was the tower based one where it was actually room scale. You had yeah. to put the, you had to yeah. put the, the, uh, units all over your room to pick up where you were. Yeah. So that's yeah. that comes to the next step of what this thing's benefit is. It ain't got none of that. Yeah. You don't need a camera. That's what it that's has what, cameras on it. Yeah, that's what the uh the uh the rift that I Yeah. Has. Holy shit. And it's so it's so amazing when you turn it on for the first time and it and it just basically turns into a pass through. So you're looking outside of the, like everything's there but in in a, like an infrared almost and and so you 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 press a button on the headset and it kicks you over into the real world 
and you so you can see you I, I was able to look at my phone and actually read yeah. read messages on my phone it's hilarious but i would like so i i went through a period of playing a lot of uh no man's sky in mm-hmm. vr uh, a few months ago and the the oculus that i've got has a pass through as well mm-hmm. and so like you know margaret my wife we would walk by and like, talk to me and i would like hit the pass through and i'd be like talking to her with a headset on with the headset on and she's like what can you and i'm like you know picking stuff up yeah and it's fine like yeah, it's, yeah. i can't but having it's so that, weird having it looks that like you're blindfolded how yeah. are you doing that it's with so the nice. blast shield down how the how can i <laughs> yeah exactly. it's it's very very cool for that um they, they it comes with tiny little head uh, earbuds which suck ass and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I have the pulse headset. I haven't used it with the pulse headset yet, so I'm very curious. That's, it's, that's the, the Sony the, branded. The Sony headset. branded. Okay. It, and it they've got a super pulse expensive. controller now too, don't they? No, uh, no, that's the, that's the different one. Sense? They're elite. No, there's whatever. The, whatever their elite version yeah. is. It starts with an E as well. Too expensive. Edge. Edge. That's yeah. it. Edge. Anyway, you don't need that. Like the popular Microsoft brand. <laughs> the heads. Like that the popular head, guitarist. The headphones. I. I really like the headphones, but when when I got the headphones, the first thing that I was disappointed with is that PS5 games like to use the fucking speaker on the controller, which is oh, very yeah. cool when it's in use. Like it's very immersive, and when you're wearing headphones, you can't hear the cool shit coming out of your controller. <laughs> so now I'm, I'm thinking, well, why did I buy the friggin' headset if it's going to do this crazy 3D oral space? And you've, you're also sending cool messages out of my controller. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Now the controllers are also excellent. Right. Like, cause it, it doesn't That's use the huge. move anymore. Yes. The, they have legitimate VR controllers now that have, uh, two thumb buttons. It's got the PS button. It's got, if you move it, your fingers a little they're hard. Like, they're like a regular control that's split yeah, in half. It really, it really is. And then there's, uh, there's a, th- a thumb trigger and, uh, also another clicker underneath that. So it's, it's, it's very well laid out. Yeah. They track extremely well. Um, I think I was it was, very happy it was not that Will Smith who yeah. uh, was talking about it. that was one of the big breakthroughs in VR was not resolution or you know, latency or anything like that. It was accurately tracking hands. Yes. That's what gives you the sense of presence. It's yeah. And that's what the cameras on the headset yeah. are doing largely is they're they're following your hands. So you kind of have to have them out a little bit, which is a little awkward, I think. But again, I just fired it up. So, um, what did you try? So, I tried the Star Wars uh, Journey to Batu or something. I can't remember. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, the, it's, they, they created it for the Oculus and they've ported it to PS5. And I only did the demo for that one because it's a full game, it's like 56 bucks. And, um, and you're wandering around the bar and talking, and the guy's talking to you, but you want, you walk around, you pick up things, you can play uh repulsor darts and, and stuff like that it, it's interesting but I, I i might pick it up when it's on sale but you know it was, it's still cool you go to the window and you look out the window and there's the millennium falcon and he says yeah those just they just rolled up and that thing it's, it's quite a vehicle it's got a real story behind it and then he, i don't know i'm sure the game is fantastic but it was it was at a good start to just get the quick sense of it and again the tracking is phenomenal the the high refresh rate on the display is great it really really helps with the immersion that's so, what i want to see because yeah. like i said I, the, you know, the the oculus that i currently got it's fine mm-hmm. but like i know for a fact that the psvr2 is like that one step up from it and yeah. i i have enjoyed my vr and boy i would like more uh better <laughs> and the, the only frustration at this point is that it doesn't there's there are titles there are lots of titles on mm-hmm. the store and very few of them are exceptional there's there's some great experiences but 
I'm I'm a little disappointed that they haven't got at least one other one. One of the cool things with the PSVR was their their demo disc that it came with, yeah. which had a, a several fully featured. This was my next question: games. Does it come with any pack in to get no, you going? Absolutely not. So, if you don't buy the version with Horizon. Uh, it comes with nothing. If John Sixpack wanted to get into VR and needed to buy a PS5 and the PSVR and the Horizon Dawn p- uh, pack-in, what are they looking at? Uh, well, I mean, the consoles. You, if you bought the the discless version of the of the PS5, the anyway, I paid I paid eight twenty for the for the PSVR with Horizon. So well over a thousand dollars to get into this. Absolutely, yeah. So it's it's not entry level by any means, but. Uh, the tech is there. The simplicity is there. And like I said, the fact that both controllers are USB-C, so you know you can buy a stand for it, but you don't even need it. I mean, I've got my adapter with two USB-C cables. Boom, boom, done. So I, you know, if you if you want to buy their nice little, I think there's contacts. I think on it. I couldn't see them offhand, but I guess there's contacts where you just rest them in the charger and they charge, right. which is fine. I I may pick it up if it's reasonably priced. But. If I read correctly, there is or is in progress a patch for No Man's Sky. It, it, that is free. Yes, they do have a fully featured PSVR too. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. I'm definitely going to fire the that. Single up. best VR experience. And that I and have the color ever had. that OLED display in that is going to be sick so i'm very excited to dive into that for sure it's huge um and so oh they've got a i'm disappointed that they're charging for the upgrade for res infinite i felt like that should have been a free upgrade but you know whatever we'll see it's 14 bucks but res is an incredible game so i might i might grab that too anyway it's it's a very very nice piece of gear uh i don't think I can recommend it at eight hundred plus dollars for the for the bundle, just sure. because it's it's a lot of money. But if you've got the scratch, it's absolute. It's strong tech, and I I'm I'm hopeful that they're going to have some some real AAA stuff coming out. This is my thing. It's like I've got you know I've got my Oculus. I can do VR when I want to do VR yeah. at the moment, so it's not on the radar, but. If I were to upgrade to another VR headset, this would probably be the one. Yeah, and and I don't think I don't feel like it's going anywhere. I don't know if the price is going to come down anytime soon. Oh, they've not been but, selling well. I mean, oh, a bunch of reasons. But there were reports, and 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 I think there was there were counter reports suggesting that the reports were erroneous about <laughs> the the fact that they had dropped their numbers that they were expecting for pre-orders. And so, you know, it's, it's very expensive and people Mm -hmm. are getting a little more selective about what they pick up. And again, there's no, holy shit, you need to play this game right now. Like Horizon's very cool. I I don't have any desire for Horizon games. I don't, it's not on my radar, but there's nothing I've seen that I'm like, oh, I need to try this in VR. It's like, you know, you're in that world and it's amazing. And and the, the climbing mechanics have been in other games and I haven't, not games that I've gotten into, but it's, it's, it's neat when you use the controller to, to climb up a wall and move over and shuffle your way up. And then you get to the top and then you you have to reach behind to pull out your bow, and then you reach behind with your right hand to pull, or your dominant hand, I should say, mm. to pull out an arrow. You knock the arrow, you pull it back. You you actually yeah, do real, like, you do like, track on your eye. Like, the first time I shot it, I wasn't really, I didn't think, oh, I have to look down the the, the shaft. You I just, actually yeah. have to. Like, shoot oh yeah, the this bow, actually yeah. works. Ping, take hit hit the dude in the eye. So it's uh it's it's very cool in that respect, and and I, I'm very excited to get into it, but. Again, it's not f- cheap, and the games are many of the games are full price. Many of the games are in the forty to fifty dollar range. Yeah. There's a handful of them that are higher than that. There's a f- lot that are cheaper too. But hopefully, we'll see more free updates for PS One 
or P- PS VR titles that are being updated because I bought a I bunch wish, of those like, that, that I that still was, haven't played. That, you know, that was the thing for me. One of the things that really made VR mesh for me was, of course, Star Wars Squadrons yeah. in VR. Yeah. Oh my God, this is the dream. This is it. I'm sitting in the cockpit of a fucking X-Wing yeah. shooting TIE fighters. And I don't know We're if done. they're planning. We're good. This is it. This is, we've achieved the apex. That's a perfect one that they should have a free update for, and I don't think they've addressed it yet. Oh, they've abandoned that game long ago. Pretty that's much. Just, I think that's, that's the thing. They realized it, it was wasn't a, a live weird little experiment. Title. And this one thing that's cool, but it was a weird little experiment. They went, we're going to try this. We don't know where it's going to go. And it yeah. was like, oh, my God, this is so good. Yeah. So maybe they'll make a sequel, we hope. But I don't know. We'll see. But anyway, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not disappointed. I, I'm glad I bought it. You know, like sure, I said, it, I didn't have to sell a kidney for it, but it was um, it was a, a deep cut. Sure, but uh, I'm looking forward to really actually actually playing it. As, as you know, unlike Jamie's looking at me like, sure you will, <laughs> sure you will. Anyway, I just wanted to get that. When in. is oh, Destiny VR hitting it? Jesus, maybe maybe the next iteration because I'm guessing Final the next shape. version. The, no, even well, the, the whatever's coming after Final Shape, I think it's going to involve uh, space combat. Hmm. So we'll see. It's one of the big Achilles heels of VR in general is motion, right? Like, well, even even just moving around, like immediately they ask you, do you want to use the sticks to move around or do yeah. you want to physically move around the space or, or, you know, how do you want to do it? Because it is very disorienting. And if you have floor space, you can definitely move around in many of the games. And uh, just using the overlay for that, because you, the first thing you do when you turn it on is you you have to scan your room, yeah. And you know because it's a live video feed, and you're looking around, and it's laying stuff over top of it so that it and it's snowing. Okay, you've got a table here, you've got walls here. This is your this is your safe area. Did it recognize the cat? No, the cat wasn't in the room at oh. the time, but I'm sure that <laughs> it probably would have. Um, but no, it, it, it'll say, okay, so you, you want to play because now, okay, you clearly don't have an open room. Would you like to play standing or seated? Because <laughs> those are your yeah. two, because the games are also designed to be played like that. And I'm going to play seated. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. But nope. Yeah. That was what No Man's Sky. And I think even yeah. like No Man's I think probably the the game that spent the most amount of time in VR is No Man's Sky. And there's a whole story behind that that maybe one day we'll get into. But. Um, that I played entirely seated, and I used teleportation. Um, uh, oh, to navigate, movement. okay. Yeah. Because like otherwise, it was like it wasn't motion sickness. It just felt wrong to like use the sticks to walk around in smooth motion. Yeah, teleportation was the way to go yeah. for that, yeah. and it was fine. And that's that's been because that's always been the biggest problem with VR is how do you move? Yeah, and there there's what they've done is fine. Nothing will ever match physically moving around a space. Oh, no, no. But sometimes that's just not viable. So that's cool. Yeah. I, so I'll, you know, I'll report back with more. As, yeah, as I, I'm as not I looking forward to that. I, you know, again, if I was if, if I were in the market for a new VR headset, that would be the one that I because would it's a single cable. I can bring the damn thing over without any great. Ex- All you have to do is just download the demos or whatever on your system. We, you can at least give it a taste. Thought. Download. You have No Man's Sky for PS for PlayStation. I probably do. Okay, but I you think but, I do. <laughs> well, if you played it in VR, I ha- well, no, I played it in VR on PC. Oh, but I do. I do own it on PS. Four, so I yeah, guess I think I that's a free upgrade. I'm, I'm pretty right. sure. So, so we'll throw that on there. And, I never you know, don't take that as red. Sony's been weird about upgrading you know, things between four and that five. PS Five that's over there hasn't been turned on in months. No man's like, No Man's Sky has been on an apology tour for several years now, and it's still going. They just released a new update. I can't. No, I. Oh God, I love No Man's Sky with all of my heart. I cannot 
tell you how how good that game has got and how therapeutic that game was for me, mm. um, particularly in VR. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um, shall we move on? Mm-hmm. We good? What's next? Oh, it's me again. Okay. So the Neverwinter server mm-hmm. continues to be developed. Um, I have now got a roadmap. For what I want to accomplish before we are ready to do a testing release. When you said roadmap, I immediately went to Star Citizen. <laughs> and that if I had Star demented. Citizen money, I wouldn't be working on Neverwinter, let me tell you. Um, You'd have Mark Hamill's uh, voicing have every Mark guard. Hamill coming in going, you know what, Mark, just whatever. What do you want to do? I, I want the Joker, but I want, also want him to be a city guard in the past. Yeah, let's go hang out. We'll have chicken. It's fine. Uh, yeah, so I've got a number of tasks I want to accomplish before I'm ready for a testing release. So what does the testing release mean? It means there are core systems in the game that I need people to come into the server and stress test and try and find the things that I have overlooked because I have blinders on and I know what the limitations are, but you don't as mm-hmm. a player. What version of the game do we need? So you need... The Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition from Beamdog. It's on Steam. Uh, I saw it on GOG. It was on sale recently. Yes. I don't know if it's currently on sale. As long as as it's from Beamdog and not the Diamond Edition. The Diamond Edition. Okay, the Beamdog Edition. Yes. Beamdog Edition, yeah. Yeah. I had had every version but the one that I needed. (laughs) Well, you've got it now. I, I do have it now. Um, I've got it on the Steam Deck installed right now. Excellent. We can even try. We, we should absolutely try. I should. I, the server to, is currently running. You uh, can look on the land right now and join the server. I'll have to uh, see if I need to do some weirdness with the controls for it. But you probably uh, do. Yeah. Um, but so I have a number of tasks I want to accomplish uh, development wise before we're ready for testing release so testing release is just testing systems Mm -hmm. this is not the full world this is it's literally going to be at the current time three overland areas and three dungeons and that's what the entire it's still a fair amount it's it's, believe me the final world's going to be a lot more i mean i'm i'm aiming for everquest level of of size it says copyright beam dog so i guess that that's probably that's definitely it yeah as long as it's enhanced edition, I, I will say the reviews are harsh. Well, but I think there's been some political. It's a 21 year old game. What do you want? Like people are going to no, go. No, they're getting specific about the GOG and, uh, and Beam Dog. Apparently, they've done like they. Some people got beef with Beam Dog for yeah, reasons. Yeah, they, they do. Oh, really? yeah. You should think, you should read some of these reviews. I probably should read that. Yeah. Um, anyway. I will. I will again mention it is currently on sale on GOG for five dollars and seventy four cents Canadian. <laughs> so it's not a huge seventy five percent off though. I mean, like the regular yeah, price yeah. is twenty two seventy nine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's about right. So if um, if you are interested, jump on GOG.com. At some it. point, we are going to do a contest again for on this podcast, and I will be giving away I don't know probably four. Mm-hmm. Uh, keys for for the game. You should buy them right now on GOG.com. I probably should. You're right. Um, well, I don't know who, you know, I'm probably going to get them on Steam instead just because, you know. They'll go on sale Steam soon. Got, yeah, it always goes on sale. Um, so one of the things I was doing, and literally today, so there are no, a number of core systems, 
core systems I want to implement before we're ready for the testing release. And mm-hmm. one of them I was working on today, and this is kind of an insight into how the development thought process goes for this kind of thing. So what I was working on today was uh, there are bounty quests. Now, the the common kind of, you know, throwaway grindy bounty quests that are are already in the game that I have uh, made are like, go kill 10 goblins or 10 kobolds or whatever, right? The standard, mm-hmm. ten, you know, rats in the cellar kind of quest. Um, but what I'm doing right now is in dungeons, there are bosses in the dungeons. And there are going to be specific bounty quests to go and kill a specific boss in the dungeon. And... So then I had to figure out how do I want to handle that? So at first I was thinking maybe I want dailies, right? Like, so here's the daily boss. Um, And I I realized that wasn't really, A, there were a number of technical issues around that with like getting real time data about what time it is and what time the user has accepted the quest, et cetera, Mm. et cetera. Um, And also like, you know, people aren't going to be on this server very much. So maybe they just want to like log in and do a thing. Right. So what I decided was in terms of design aesthetic was what's going to happen is you will get you will go to a, you know, an NPC who will give you a quest to kill this boss in this dungeon. And that will that will be your quest until you do it. And then after you finished that quest, it will reset and you could do another one. And it will be randomly determined what boss in what dungeon will be completely random because all the dungeons scale, right? So you can go into any dungeon at any level. Mm-hmm. You're going to fight God. You're basically, yeah. Um, so that was what I kind of hit on. But of course, there's a number of iterations of that that suddenly it becomes complicated, right? Because you always want to give in any choice in the game, you always want to give the player the option to say no. Right. So what I had to do was have an NPC that's there saying, here's the quest for, for you. Here's the boss you have been assigned to kill. Um, do you accept yes or no? And if you say yes, great, you're on the quest. If you say no, well, this is still the boss that you have been assigned so you come back to the NPC and that's still going to be the boss because you don't get a new boss still. Otherwise, people will just be able to like serial, you know, hit the NPC going, well, I know I don't want that one. I don't want that one. I don't want that one. We don't want that. We want them to have like you've been assigned this boss. This is the one you have to deal with until you deal with it. And then you can deal with another one. Right. So there's two checks suddenly that have to be made. You have to, you have to check what boss it is store that that string variable on the character in some way, right, of what the boss's name is or what their location is or something, some data that indicates what that boss is, and then have they accepted the quest? Have they not accepted the quest? If they have, do this. If they haven't, do this, right? Mm -hmm. It's all all these, like, logic gate if-and situations. Can I also mention that, um, as you said that, all I could hear in my head was the music from Monty Python and the Holy Grail when they're when they're on quest believe me that's all i hear when i'm writing this stuff i was i was going to say you should have it the the, the quest giver be like an inscrutable burning bush so you right can't now, the question quest, it the quest giver is like this i'm going to make it the same guy mm-hmm. but there, he's in every zone mm-hmm. and but it's the same guy 
So it's like there's either clones of him or because he, he's like this wizard guy. Just, right? just make it part of the Dibbler family. And he's just tired. He's just he's sick of this shit. And he's just like, oh, it's you again. Okay, fine. Um, but that was part of what I was sort of figuring out today. So I've got to the point that the NPC who you talk to will randomly pick from a boss in any of the dungeons right now there's only three and they're all in the same dungeon so it's pretty simple but they will randomly assign you a boss and then you can say yes or no if you say yes you're on the quest if you say no it doesn't matter because then when you go back to them they say well you still got this boss to deal with you can deal with it or not mm-hmm. and then then you have to say yes or no um and then you go and deal with the with the boss and then it 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 should be like cut my own throat dibbler. There's a different dibbler in every zone. <laughs> it kinda, they're all, it, they're all wanted, part of it. Again, here's a logic problem, right? Because like the first time you talk to that person, the first time you see them, mm-hmm. you're not going to know that, oh, there's another one in the next zone over, right? So you have to have a way of detecting, has this person talked to this guy before? And if so, when you talk to the next one, here's what the dialogue tree is. The versus, next one should just have a mustache. The one after that a, has the, the, no, the he's, helmet. No, he's in a Groundhog Day scenario. So he, he keeps seeing be. you coming over and over again. And he's he has memory of every time you've been there. But he just, you know, this is, this is why he keeps showing up everywhere. Because he's he's living this life eternally everywhere at all times. And he's he's tired of it. He's just tired. I mean, that's kind of where he is already. Right, it's, yeah. It's true. Um, so that's where I'm kind of at right now. And I literally just implemented the system. And what's going to happen is you get... Uh, a key for a chest and the chest is right next to the NPC and that key will open the chest once and only once and you'll get like a random treasure that's generated for that's appropriate for your level. Um, now, again, complication. The way the treasure is generated in Neverwinter Nights, there are two treasure systems. One is scalable, one is not. Um, I'm using the not scalable treasure system for reasons because I want to be able to control what treasure gets generated where and when. Um, and so that means it has to be level locked. And so the key that you get will be appropriate for the chest that unlocks for your level range, mm-hmm. uh, which means that because of the way that the, the loot works, I have to have specific areas that those chests are in because the, that that loot gets specified in a, in a kind of a, a master chest that's yeah. in that's in that area. So it means that you can do any dungeon at any level, but the chest that you use to open with this key is in a different place. Now that will kind of naturally organically occur during the game because as you you level, you're going to go to more areas, and so you will have more areas to go to, and so you will know. And the key actually says what area the chest is in. Yeah. But that's one of those weird complications. It's like, well, how am I going to handle this? It's like, I I can't have it so that the chest just scales to the level of the of the player. That's not that's not possible. But it is possible to have it level locked so that this chest is level this to this, this chest level this to this. But they exist in specific areas of the game. So that's kind of the the puzzle that I've had to deal with uh, lately. But mm-hmm. I think I've got it figured out. Again, right now, there's only one dungeon with three bosses. I'm about to add more bosses to more dungeons. So we'll see how that plays out. Because, again, these are all complication iterations that go on. But it's it's such an insight into 
how complex this kind of stuff is. And this is even basic stuff, right? But it just gives me such a respect for the people who work on, on games in like a for real scenario. Absolutely. It's like the number of things you have to think of, even even just design-wise, not even programmatically. When you hit programmatically, you can you can get a complex design and go, okay, if this, then that. But then how you actually implement that in the game engine is a whole other uh, uh, world. So it's like, wow, I'm... So much respect for game designers uh, just from this experience. It's, mm-hmm. it's huge. So anyway, the point is, I'm I'm thinking maybe three or four weeks we're away from uh, a testing release where I need need testers to come in and like break shit, break shit. Exactly. I want I want you to to poke the the barriers and find the bugs and find what's not working and mm-hmm. find what doesn't make sense because things could make sense to me. And also, because the people who are coming in are probably not going to be used to Neverwinter itself. Right. And because that that game system has its own quirks, right? A part of me building this thing is I've played Neverwinter for 20 years, so I know what to expect and what not to expect. Yeah. You as a, as a new player won't know that. So part of it is me accommodating for that, and part of it is me going, well, I can't accommodate for that because that's just built into the game engine, right? So. Mm. That's where we are within Everwinter server. So that's what's going on there. I see Jamie has crossed out the other thing. So we are now. Are we ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. I've okay. got, got my document up. Drum roll. I should have had a drum roll sample. We good. Uh, the top five games of all time continues with Jamie's number five. My number five. So. I thought about this. I had to go back. I, you know, I, I'm not, I've been gaming forever, but I've been gaming since, you know, it was readily available at home. Probably longer than most people listening to this podcast. So let's say the year is 1983. <laughs> Definitely um, more than most people listening to this you, podcast. You, you just got home. You've, uh, you, you want to play something on your Commodore 64 and you're flipping through your discs. So this game is the first game that really showed me there's something more available in a video game. Like Pac-Man is you eat dots or you get eaten. A breakout is you bounce a ball. Like it's all very surface level game. Until you die. There's, there's not a lot there. And the replay value is let's just do it again. Right. Um, I don't own anything else. So let's just play Pac-Man for beat the high score. 10 hours. Beat the high score was always the goal at that point. So the game that showed me that there was something more to be had was Zork. Um, no graphics, all text on a screen, but what a world they crafted. I have a confession. Never played Zork. I know the name Zork. I don't know anything else about you should, Zork. Absolutely. That it's timeless. kind of blows my mind. I know, right? I thought for sure you would have been Mr. Zork. You would think. So Infocom was a bunch of, like, they don't even call it a video game. They call it creative fiction or interactive fiction. Right. right? Um, and it was a bunch of people that could write a really good story and world. And then a couple people that took that and they, they, they were really smart. They made what they called was a Z interpreter. So the, the core of the game was the same regardless of what version they were running. 
it was just a bunch of front ends that they made. So there's a C64 version, an Apple II version, a PC version, and the actual core Zork only got written once. And then they just changed the interpreter that would uh, play that out on the screen. So Zork, you start in a clearing just outside of a White House. There is a mailbox here. That is basically like a, a high level. There's a lot more in the description, but that is the high level. You're you're in a clearing north of a house, boarded up windows, and there's a mailbox. It's all just text, right? That's it's all just all text, text on your screen. It's a it's a very advanced parser. Sure. You can type in open mailbox. You can type in um, you know O mailbox or open box. Like it, it's very robust with how it takes your uh, your text. Sure. But you say open mailbox, and it says you open the mailbox to reveal a leaflet. Take leaflet. Read leaflet. And it tells you, welcome to Zork, uh, the pinnacle of interaction, interactive fiction. And it's got this whole <laughs> spiel about the game. And then now it's, you're in this world. What do you do? There's a clearing, like there's a path off this way. You can go up this path. There's a tree. You can climb the tree. There is this lovingly crafted jeweled egg. It's all filigree and gold. There's something inside it, but you don't have the skill to open it. So you take the egg. You go back to the house and you're like, oh, there's a board, a jar on this side of the, the, uh, the house. So you can move that thing, get inside the house. The bottom of the house is somewhat well lit. So you're okay. You find a lamp. You light the lamp, and that way you don't get eaten by Grus. Grus are beings that live in the darkness. I know the Gru meme. If you, I mean, I don't know Zork. If, if you stay in a dark area too long, you could be eaten by a Gru, and that is one of your failure failure states. Is be in a dark place that was a light source, you could mm-hmm. be eaten by a Gru. So eventually, you get into the Great Underground Empire. Which is this abandoned dungeon, basically. It's this, this long... Great underground empire. Yes. Grew. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, G-R-U. Um, and in later games, they really expanded the, uh, the, the lore. Uh, all the kings of the Great Underground em- uh, Empire were the flathead, and they literally had flat heads. Uh, and one of them was Lord Dimwit Flathead III, and uh, he rearranged the calendar so he had a birthday every month. Um, like there's like the, the, the games came with feelies, like things, physical things, like the leaflet from the mailbox was in the, the Zork mailbox. Very, very comedy forward, it, not, it, but not comedic. It was right, right. So like the, the, the puzzle for I'm going to spoil a 40 year old game. <laughs> Eat me internet. The, the way to get the jeweled egg open was you had to find the thief and hang around him for a little while. Cause there's a thief that wanders around the great underground empire randomly and he will eventually steal it from you. And he is deft enough to open it. So you've got to wait long enough for him to open it. Then you find him, fight him, kill him. And now you can get the opened egg. And that is how you score points by completing things in the game. You get points. There is a maze which the only description you get is it's a, uh, a a labyrinth maze of twisty turning passages that all look alike. There's an exit to the north. So like you've, you, you, the only way to plot this out is to drop one of your items. And if the thief is alive, he's taking them as you go through. So you have to do this after he's dead. You drop an item in a thing and then you leave through one of the exits and you drop another item there and then you'll leave it through another exit and you'll see a previous item. So then as your graphics, you, you should have graph paper. Oh. You're literally graphing how these cells connect. 
Um, this would consume my life. My father had a graph paper where he did the entire maze and he had dropped stuff in every Imagine room. Imagine designing this. Yes. It's amazing. <laughs> There's so much depth in this game. There's so much like v- the verbose description. There's a fully realized world. And I had not seen this. Like pitfall is jump over an alligator and swing on a vine. <laughs> like there was no, like, why do I care what pitfall Harry is doing? What, what is the, the, mm. the thing here? What, what world is he in? Zork gave me a world to be in. As and a then, kid, I couldn't do it. Really? I absolutely, I had it and I played, I fired it up and I would get f- like not even very far into it. And I would just get frustrated. I think, I think that's what happened. Is, sure. Cause it was, it was a puzzle it, yeah. and it was the, every, every time we played, we yeah. would get a little further or my dad would come by and say, yeah. Oh, where are you? And we'll yeah. be like, Oh, we're at the dam control. And he's like, Oh, that's an interesting puzzle. And then sometimes he'd give us a hint. Sometimes he wouldn't. Right. Yeah. And that when that was the kicker is, is like, if you didn't have somebody shepherding you, it would, it would be insurmountable because that you would, there would be no alternate solution. It was, you had to play it. As it was, as mm-hmm. it was uh, laid out. Right. So you know, you could buy a hint book. You know, back then uh, with adventure games, I remember with the Sierra games specifically, um, they this the hint guide that you would buy was color blocked and it came with a red filter, so that you didn't or there you was an invisible link. You, you wouldn't accidentally, yeah, it. you wouldn't accidentally read the answer to the que- to the part you haven't gotten to yet. You had to put the filter over it, then you could read the answer. So that was your way of controlling how much information it gave you. Mm-hmm. But you still had to buy it. Infocom did the same thing. And my brother used to cheat. He would buy the fucking hint guide and pretend like he didn't, and then he would just happen to know the answer to these puzzles. And I'd be like, "How did you know that?" And of course, this was before game facts and and just the internet sure, in general. Yeah. But but yeah, I mean, I was stymied so quickly by those puzzles that I would, and I, you know, I mean, I was younger than or older than you, and I still couldn't figure it out. We, my brother and I both. My brother was terrified of grooves. He, he had this mental <laughs> picture, and I would climb up the chimney at the house at the beginning, and I just type in "wait." And he's like, "No, no, get out, wait." No, no, get out! The groom's gonna get you. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I torture him uh, on purpose by by waiting in the dark. But like it, it is such a well realized world. And then Zork One leads into Zork Two, and Zork Two leads into Zork Three. Like they had a whole path through it. Because once they hooked you, that was it. I mean, you know, they, they had more content to that came out. I'm sure they came out in pretty short I'm, order. I'm relatively certain people have replicated this in websites. Oh yeah. If you want to oh, search, search with Zork sure, online, yeah. but they're also available on like good old games. I think I've got all of the Zork games on GOG. Yeah. I have a feeling there was some legal issue because Infocom still owned the Activision bought Activ- Infocom. That's right. And Activision, uh, and, and Activision, Activision. made uh, a, 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 what was it? Zork grand inquisitor, which was um, one of the, uh, full motion video atrocities that happened in the yeah. uh, middle of the 90s. Oh, good. Um, but like the Zork games, Zork 1, Zork 2, Zork 3, Beyond Zork, uh, Zork 0, all of them are worthwhile. And mm-hmm. each one changed. Like Beyond Zork actually added a map in part of the screen. And uh, you could uh, wield a weapon and name it. And you, instead of having to type in hit x with shillelagh and try to remember how to say how to type shillelagh every time i would name it skull and i would hit the hit thing with skull um and uh like like each one was they they added stuff and they had other stuff they had planet fall which was their sci-fi version 
and they had Sorcerer, and they had like all Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. They did an interactive fiction of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, that was I the big remember one. That was that was their big Galaxy. one. I, is that a Zork thing? Yes, it was made well, it by was Infocom. Infocom. And, the same people who developed. All this, right, yeah. and I at one point in my life, I had the first. 200 moves of uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy memorized <laughs> at any given time. Because you had to. Yeah. Because yeah. there was no save state or anything yep. like that. You, If you died, you had to go back and do everything exactly the it same way so again. It was so freaking arbitrary. Or if you yeah. forgot an item you needed back here and you didn't have it up here, then you, well, you can't. In, infamously, in Hitchhiker's, there was a puzzle in order to when you were trying to get the babblefish. And it was like uh, every there was a failure point at every stage. Like you would do a thing, and, and then it would fail, and then so you had to do it again. And then, but if you, you did it more than second four stage, times, you got thrown out the airlock. Right. So <laughs> you had to, you had to basically play it repeatedly to figure out how not to fuck it up. So you, there was no way you could just go through it the first time. You had to. But fail. on subsequent games, you could have everything. Hang this on here. Put yeah. the mail here put the towel over the drain and then yeah. press the button and it would go right in your ear. Yeah, like, exactly. like there was a time you could get it in one shot, but you had to have played it before. Mm. Um, but like there's the, all these games, all these interactive fiction, all these text-based games were my first window into a, a realized yeah. world. And the fact that it was text-based, it was it, all happening. It was a, it was a, it was a mental yeah. reset. Like you say, it was the fact that you had to, I'm, I'm, I'm typing. There's no tag, no, no graphics, but I'm there. And so that was I can I can definitely imagine how that the was. The interesting an thing is like it's it's the opposite of show don't tell. Yes, it's it's tell it's don't it, show. it's tell <laughs> it's all tell. But there's no thing but tell. leave like, it to the imagination. Like we don't the, have to worry about how good the graphics are. Like the descriptions were so good. Like the the thief would slouch into where you are and then leer at you, and then like you could just kind of ignore him, but he would say stuff to you while you were on the same <laughs> screen as him, and just like. Um, and then we would slouch off and then you, re- you check your inventory and you realize he's taken something. <laughs> um, but I mean, it was, it is so good. And it was, it, the, it was the first time I saw something, a game is something other than just a distraction. It was yeah. a world I could get lost in. Mm-hmm. And that was just ex- horizon expanding for me. Like it was, and this is your number five. This is my number five. Oh, wow. But this is where I first realized that games could be something more than yeah. just like a, a, a little fiddle. I'm you still can play. reeling by the fact that you didn't play these. I, I am absolutely. I played the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy one. Yeah. yeah. And I think I got like maybe three moves in and I was like, ah, well, I, I messed up. Yep. I guess I'm yeah. done. Play it, was, it, with it was kind a, of punishing. Play it with a game fact open, like just to go through and yeah. read it and then just see how they describe the game, no, see should. how everything flows yeah, right. together. It is. Really good, or, or if somebody has a long play that you could just like put on and watch. The physical versions were were really the, the stuff you got in them, made. like yeah. like coins, yeah. and it, so they had a uh, a series of interactive uh, horror, like a, a lurking horror and uh, moon mist, which was a like a murder mystery, and it would randomize who was the killer each time you played it, and you'd get different hints. And we would play Moon. Like we got the Infocom collection in the the nineties after having Zork and a bunch of things on the C sixty four. So we would play Moon Mist and stuff like that, and it was just really neat. Um, Lurking horror took place on like a university campus. It was like Cthulhu coming, and sure, like it was. They 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 really cast a wide net for this stuff, but they had such good writers on staff. I guess that's the thing, right? You need that for yeah. this style of game because. 
I mean, this is a kind of game that will never come around again. I've been gesturing so much that I just hit 10,000 steps on my Fitbit. <laughs> um, the Steve Mertzke, who worked for them, has done a ton of stuff. He was one of their A1 like writer and game designers. And I have to imagine they laid this stuff out. Like they would write and, oh, and craft stuff. I can't stuff. even imagine. You remember, do you ever see how the original Mario levels were done yeah. on long rolls of graph paper? Yeah, graph paper. It, it, I have to imagine it's something like that, but where they have all these like chunks of dialogue and stuff ready to slot into this you game. You want flowcharts, I'll show you flowcharts. But it's it it is stunning how how good these things are. And they still stand up if you go back and like play them. I, I find myself lost in the game like like ten moves in. Like you just get right into it. It's amazing. Wow. All but, right. But that's my number five. That's the that's, that's the the game that Zork. made me realize that games were something more than you know pole position. I can't or wait to see what your number one is. If that's what number <laughs> five is, wow, that's the whole thing. Um, I think that'll probably be it. Then are we good? Are we yeah, good? yeah, gentlemen, are we good. Thank you, everybody. Episode what is this four? I don't even know anymore. Four mm. episode four is now in the can. Thank you as always to everybody listening to this. Um, stay tuned to all of our socials. the The link tree is in the show notes. Join the Discord. Uh, join the Discord because there's it's always fun. There's nice people and we're hanging out and doing cool stuff and talking about stuff. And Absolutely. There was a picture of a cat today. So I love that. That's cool. Anyway, thank you everybody. We will be back in two weeks with the next episode. Hit it. You have been listening to Pixels and Puppets, the Operation Puppet Podcast. Visit www.operationpuppet.com for all our links, tell your friends, give us a rating wherever you get your podcasts, and join us again because nothing is more entertaining than aging nerds giving their opinions on the internet. <laughs>